Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Finance Show with Joe. My name is Joseph Dalwood. I am an economist, a mathematician, I'm a mortgage broker, and I am the founder of It's Simple Finance. I'm extremely excited to introduce you to my guest on The Finance Show with Joe today. He is the 2IC of It's Simple Finance. He's the Chief of Operations. I think that's the official job title right now. (laughs) Whatever works, mate. He has been in corporate lending for the last 12 years or 10? I've been in lending for about eight and a mixture of jobs in banking for 12 years. He's my good friend, Michael Macon. Michael, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me here. Michael, please just give us a little bit of background of how you came to become the 2IC at It's Simple Finance. Yeah, mate. So it's been quite a journey, but uh, so as we mentioned earlier, I, I spent a good time, 12 years in banking um, through various uh, roles from, uh, but particularly in lending. So uh, if I if I can start with the relevance, probably about eight years ago, I joined St. George Bank and I was a credit assessor there, worked all the way through from leadership um, into project roles and then moved over to Commonwealth Bank into commercial lending. Um, I always had a pretty clear agenda from when I first joined uh, the lending segment that I wanted to go into all three tiers of lending. Um, so the second part was commercial and the final stop in banking was at Westpac. I was a manager in corporate lending, uh, looking after uh, probably much, much higher uh, net worth clients. Um, the corporations we used to look after were 250 million uh, minimum turnover um, in our portfolio. So that was a pretty big, uh, they were sizable clients. And once I did all three, I th- I always had the intention to, first of all, you know, utilize that experience and that knowledge to go out and build something of my own. Um, and I think I found it pretty nicely when, when, uh, when, when I was recruited for this role um, and I met you, Joe, that, uh, you know, I was able to build something um, with a lot of people I care about and uh, something I can build uh, with you guys together. So it's been really nice. So just to give everyone a little bit of background on Michael. Michael came to the job interview with a seven-page strategy deck <laughs> on how he's going to be changing everything for it's simple, the way that he's going to be moving into everything. So when I have Michael in my team, I feel like I've got someone that's here to build the business, which is fantastic. So I want I brought him on the show basically so you guys could get to know him the way that I know him. And I think that was a fantastic little intro into who you are. But I also want our clients and our listeners to know why you moved away from corporate lending to being a broker. They're two very, very different fields. Yeah, cool. Um, look, that's a, that's a good question. I get this one quite a bit, especially from my ex-colleagues at, at banking. But the biggest part is um, when you're in a bank, um, I think, first of all, uh, maybe the curiosity of wanting to know more. Um, but when you're at the bank, there's a segment for each role. Um, as an example, I was in when I was in corporate lending, we were doing a majority of post-approval and loan origination stuff. Um, so that was a step away from the from the credit side. Um, there's, if you look around in the banks, um, if there is any sort of issue, there is probably a team that handles it. Um, that's period. Um, if you go out onto your small business, uh, there's probably a, there's a high chance that you've got to wear multiple hats. I think it's a non-negotiable that you wear multiple hats and there is no uh, time to 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 focus on too much on the issue and saying, oh, you know, there should be someone that could help me for this. There probably is someone, but uh, a lot of the times you got you're going to have to, you know, dive into another uh, what would be another segment in the banks and just get it done. So that's what I loved. Um, I love full ownership, full accountability that you that you would have in a small business. The other side of it is really looking after and caring, caring more so for your clients. We care about the clients. We care about the the business that we run. 
Um, and it's not something that feels like it's an infinite world, like how, how I was at the corporations. Um, you really have to be quite cost conscious. Um, you've got to be quite service um, service conscious. Um, and really, it's a real customer lens. It's a little different, I believe, um, to have at the banks. And that's not taking anything away from the banks, um, but it's just the way that you own uh, end-to-end process with the customers. And that's the opportunity you have at a small business, um, in particular mortgage broking. We, we do things from... Uh, initial conversation all the way through to settlement and post-settlement and a lot of our clients become friends of ours really it there's a there's a personal connection that's I think that's you know established through the end-to-end process that you that you get to share with them so you've been with us for you know just over 14 months now mm. yeah obviously a lot has changed in the property market there's been a lot of shifts in the trends you know, and somebody that's gone from corporate commercial and then personal lending you know for people looking to purchase homes. What are the changes that you've seen in these last 15 months, especially from the customers? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think the way that the customers react is still, I think it's still consistent with the times and it's really driven by government policy. Um, and I think it's the same, um, I think it's the same, but just different actions given the different, the, the way and the direction of the policy. And I'll give you a good example. Like, you know, in the last month, there was a massive rush of instant asset write-offs for small businesses. And that's that's a re- that's a, something that, you know, a lot of small businesses wanted to take care, take full advantage of for the tax code. Um, but uh, right now, a lot of the talk is about interest rate rises, right? Interest rate rises, interest rate rises. And well, who that seems to favor is more so investors. Um, so the recent behavior changes I can see is that Firstly, um, a lot less home buying, a lot more investing, um, and I'll explain why that is. Um, so, quite a few. So, sorry, just to just yeah. for our listeners, the difference. What's the difference between home buying and investing? Yeah, sure. So I should uh, go into that level. So, home buying is when you're buying a, a property to live in and to primarily occupy. Um, investing is where you're going to buy a property and you would obtain rental income or some sort of investment benefit. Um, so you would occupy a tenant through there. Um, they'd be paying you X amount um, per frequency, like a $500 a week you know, schedule is a basic example. So you're getting rental income from there. Um, so uh, with with all the rate interest rate rises um, happening, um, homeowners and tenants seem to be getting a lot of the, the impact. Um, so homeowners living in their own home, paying their own mortgage, um, their repayments are going up as the interest rate rises. Uh, the tenants seem to be passed on that that mortgage or the interest rate uh, stress from from the investors. So uh, as the rates rise, um, there's a positive correlation with the rental income that seems to rise with it. On on ex- on perhaps every review uh, or any time the investors have a chance. So um, the investors are, are benefiting from it quite a bit. And the only uh, th- I think the only change of thinking that I see more so that's come to prominence in the last 12 months is the interstate investing. Um, so it's not something I saw that was so obvious and so uh, common. Um, now, now all of a sudden, there, I think there's a there's a belief that New South Wales property prices have gone out of, um, have been priced out or that the ship has sailed and they're looking more so into Perth and, and Queensland quite a bit. Um, and that's not something that I, that I would have as a common discussion point for anyone looking to buy. It's difficult for people living in New South Wales to be able to go move into Perth or move into, you know, Queensland for investment opportunities. How has the access been permitted or granted? What are people doing to create these connections to be able to find these good investments? Yeah, um, that's that's also a good question. And, you know, I hope that um, I answer this well for anyone that's listening and and, uh, and interested in this space. But like any sort of pr- professional um, industry that you, that you look to depend on, you need to have good relationships. 
Um, now, it's pretty much the same as where you, what you would have in, in a New South Wales um, investment property where um, a lot of investors would invest in New South Wales, whether it's uh, local or close proximity to where they live or whether it's somewhere out um, about uh, out further, um, you know, a 30-minute to an hour to two-hour commute, um, wherever they found a great investment opportunity, um, the, the, a big reliance is on your property manager and your real estate agent. You know? So they're, they're really good ties that you have um, where you, you have the, the right to a quarterly inspection um, each year, but I don't know how many investors actually do visit the site with, with the real estate agents or go into too much detail with them. I think they trust and depend on the, the professional service that they're given from the real estate agent and the property manager. Um, and if they get the, the green light or the thumbs up from them, that they move on. Um, it's a, and and the the tenancy agreements uh, and the and the payables are all managed through that same professional. Uh, it would be the same thing from Perth, um, where the the uh, a Perth investment as an example, where a property manager in Perth you'd have to have pretty good rapport with, um, an element of trust. And if you don't trust them, I'd say don't go ahead. Um, but if you have someone that you really trust, um, and there's many ways they can do that through phone and Zoom conversations. If you have the rare opportunity to go out um, interstate and, and visit the site yourself, that's a really good way, a face-to-face um, interview and, and house inspection. Um, but it's all about uh, the you know uh, video calls to show you the house inspections in, in your absence um, and in lieu of your presence or um, just a lot of communication, uh, a lot of you know a lot of information and data passed through. Um, there's a lot of things that you won't be able to catch up on or won't, won't have presence of mind through. And it's just about proactive communication and, and an a effectively trusting relationship. I think that's the most detailed answer I've ever received on this show. That was pretty impressive. Well, really. <laughs> Hopefully the right detail. <laughs> <laughs> so just with Perth and, you know, I'm just going to name the capital cities, Perth, Brisbane. Why do you think these capital cities are trending up? Why are people pushing towards these locations and why, do, why are we seeing a property boom now in these areas? Yeah, cool. And it's, this is a good one. This is something that will probably resonate with yourself, um, Joey, because uh, you've been in the property game for quite a bit, Joey. So um, this was an answer that might resonate with you. But one of the biggest, uh, I guess, almost notable uh, drivers of, of uh, Queensland and Perth in particular is just the building shortages and the building approval shortages. Um, so everyone, I think everyone's heard this from any tradie that you speak to, that it's hard to get tradies on site these days. It's hard to get workers on site. Unemployment is 1% or something at the moment. It's significantly low. Yeah, and it'd be, I, I, I haven't followed the, the unemployment and where, where the, the gap seems to be plugged. Maybe in the rise of P2P markets such as Uber and Airbnb, whatever it may be, I, I haven't followed it too much. But what I do know is the, the, the constant pains and the skill shortages in the, in the teaching industry, nursing industry, and in particular the trading industry, where um, it's, it's, it's uh, created, you know, flow and impacts such as uh, building times and building delays, um, approvals. Um, and it's not just the traders, it's, it's more just people in the, in the building industry, the, the ones that can manage compliance and DA approvals, uh, the ones that have the, the established relationships to work with the councils and get the timely delivery on, on, on any build project. Um, that seems to have taken a, a severe impact and therefore less houses on the market, just as many people trying to invest, um, the, the supply and demand you know, has, has, has seemed to curve that way. And I just, I think that um, we're just not, the buildings aren't being put on, on the market as, uh, to meet the demand at the moment, so hence the rise. Wow. So even with all these interest rate rises, we're still seeing properties go up in value. Am I correct to say that? Yeah, that's right. And like as I alluded to a little earlier, um, the investors seem to have a, a big favour in this. And there's a lot of investors interstate. Um, I'm sure there's some within Queensland and within WA um, that are looking to get into the market. But there's a big 
uh, strong benefit to investors at the moment, and they're trying to pick up just as much. The future of the market. We've discussed how Perth, Brisbane, we're experiencing booms, especially valuations in these areas. But what do we see from the client? Are we seeing aggressiveness or are we seeing people pull back on the ground level at the moment? Yeah, cool. And I can probably speak to a little bit about the market and a little bit about our own brokerage. So the flavor in our brokerage has uh, more so just been like 80% to 20% refinancing versus new money or purchases. And that to- that indicates a tendency, right? Um, a lot of people are interest rate conscious, trying to save money from from the interest rate rises and and the repayments. Um, there are and 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 the twenty percent. Um, there has been a little bit of home buying, but what I more so see is just the investors, um, mm-hmm. those ready to uh, expand their portfolios. They see quite a bit of opportunity, and they believe that these they they they're probably people that are quite. Um, I think knowledgeable in the in the industry and in the market, they've probably been following the market for a bit mm-hmm. before they made their decision. Um, and they do see, you know, the things that I spoke about earlier, those factors, the building approvals, um, the building's not happening as soon. So the supply shortage there, um, the trading shortage, and uh, just just the fact that the rate rises and this market will, will benefit them from a rental yield perspective. That uh, they're trying to go get pretty aggressive. And the the investors, are, we went to a, we we had a joint seminar with Aliant um, uh, last week and. Uh, one of the speakers did mention that you know investors seem to be quite ruthless, whereas owner occupied owner occupiers or home buyers seem to be a little bit more um, caring because they need to really uh, enjoy the home that they're gonna that they're gonna live in. So the investors are, got, are quite ruthless and looking to pull the trigger. The homeowners looking to refinance. Just touching on something that you mentioned a little bit earlier, they're being aggressive because of rental yield at the moment. Could you touch a little bit on this? Explain to our listeners what is rental yield. Why are investors being so aggressive at the moment in this market? Is it because of tenancy rates? Give us some insight. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Rental yield is a percentage that can represent how much of the property value you obtain back in rental income per year. So if there was a rental yield of 4% against a million dollar property, as an example, um, that you'd be getting about $40,000 in rental income per year. Um, what we're what we're tending to see is the averages pop up around so the five to seven percent mark um, in in some markets, um, and that's due to the rental shortages. So you can see um, the re- you probably see the headlines rental crisis, rental crisis. For those that are looking for uh, homes to tenant, um, you're probably seeing a lot more people show up to the open houses, um, and this is driving you know uh, competition and therefore the the rental payables. Or the the higher rental um, the higher re- uh, rental agreements um, and and the yields. So it's 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 never been as pricey as this as in in my whole lifetime. I'm a uh, 31 years young and I've never seen a rental crisis quite this bad. Maybe maybe because I wasn't so focused on the market. Um, but as a professional, I'm seeing it and, I, and I'm seeing you know 20 people turn up to a Walleye Creek apartment. Whereas earlier in uh, or around the pandemic, I'm um, trying to do an open home there. You could see you know. One or two people turn up max. I actually spoke to uh, Yaya, our broker in the team, yeah. and how it's shifted. Like we saw people who were looking to purchase and we saw 60 people show up to those open homes. Now it's 10. But then on the tenancy wise, it used to be 10 and it's gone up to 60. There's just such a low amount of vacancy where we're almost at no vacancy for rental apartments yep. that you're seeing the prices bump up significantly. And this also has to do with, you know, the mm. government policy of bringing in uh, a net migration of about four million people or something like that. Four hundred thousand last year, yeah. Well, it was four hundred thousand, but I think I think the overall number is like four million to twenty twenty six. It's some insane number where we actually can't keep up with the housing because they're not allowing for development approvals. Uh, 
They're not allowing for these types of things. So with rental income going up, but values staying the same because of interest rates, eventually, as inflation is coming down, the Reserve Bank of Australia is going to possibly calm down. As we saw yesterday, they held off on increasing the interest rates. What's going to happen next? Are we going to see a potential, another potential boom in property prices in the next coming years? I believe so. Um, I believe that there's going to be another boom. Um, and this is all just um, with the caveat that there could be some, some unexpected um, events that could could drive this. There's conflict in Europe at the moment. There's quite a few things that could drag us into uh, un, uh, unexpected circumstances that can drive the market. That's always out there. But um, right now with the information we have is the buildings uh, building shortage, um, the net migration that you men- that you mentioned. I think the target was around 200,000 last year in Double came through in the net migration uh, by the end of the year. So that's that's a place where you've, you've got to put the people somewhere, um, and we just don't have enough places to put them. Um, so that there's that um, one one particular thing that I did want to that I did forget to mention is just the borrowing capacity impacts, which is probably the biggest impact that the interest rate rises have. Um, I don't think you should worry too much about prices, um, especially as an investor. Um, uh, cash flow um, probably isn't the biggest problem, given that the rental income will increase um, uh, has a positive correlation with the rate rises. Um, and the rate movement, sorry, that um, a lot of people are rent vesting um, because they can't afford to, to man, in, in a borrowing capacity, man the uh, owner-occupied mortgages. Um, without any income coming in, they can't service the loans or their borrowing capacity is so limited that they can't enter the market. So I think a lot of rent vesting is happening, which is also driving that rental is probably a, another small uh, minor factor in the, in, the, in the rental crisis. But I do believe that, you know, the fu- to, back to your question, the future of the market um, there, there, I think there should be some government intervention with the rental crisis. Um, there's a, I think there was a recently a cap in, in Queensland where there's only one rent review per year mm-hmm. um, that is now permitted, I think from 1st of July. There's going to be some more government intervention to, to assist with the first home buyers. I think there was one change about 1st, 1st of July, stamp duty, 800000 um, up purchase prices up to 800000 completely exempt, partial exemptions up to a million. And that's now more rel- relative to the median prices on but, the market. But but they needed yeah. to do that. Absolutely. You, you couldn't have, you know, oh, we're going to give you uh, absolute concessions up to $600,000 in New South Wales. To purchase a property for $600,000 in New South Wales is damn near impossible unless you're going for an apartment. Yeah. If you want to go for house and land, which a lot of developers are offering, house and land packages, and you want to, you know, go to different areas that you, they're expanding, it's – you can't find anything for $600,000. You can't build for $600,000, let alone get a house and a land, and then the builder possibly make a little bit of profit on the end of it. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, Joe. But the main thing is I think that the prices will continue to rise given that the first home buyers can re-enter the market with the with the concessions and the investors will stay aggressive. Um, that's, that's for sure. Um, the most interesting point is just where inflation goes. I think a lot of the investors and the higher class, if I can call them, the higher class that seem to benefit as investors with low mortgages mm-hmm. and higher income getting richer, rich, rich, the rich getting richer, um, how aggressive they stay. And if they stay aggressive, which it sounds like they will because uh, I think the higher class are, are, are earned their spot and their position in, in where they are in society because they, they understand how to capitalize on opportunities and there's a great opportunity for them now. So they, they're going to continue investing and that's going to further drive prices. So X amount of factors. Yeah. There's one other thing that you just touched on quickly that inflation coming down a little bit. Okay. So it was predicted to be about 7.6%, but it actually came down to about 5.8. Okay. Which was a significant, no, it was 5.6% that it decreased to, which is a significant decrease from what it was the previous quarter at 6.8%. 
Do you think the interest rates have played a big factor into this? Uh, and not getting too political. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's played a little uh, it's played a, a little part in it. I think if you look back in the I think so it's risen 12, 12 times in the last 14 months, right? And um, and if you and you kept, if you kept rising and you kept rising and you spoke to your neighbor or you spoke to any of your friends who are homeowners or who who have a home loan and they're telling you about the struggle um, and that they're not spending too much. I, I don't know anyone that's spending more unless they're you know probably part of the higher class. Um, that I, I think that um, it played its part a little, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it. It's obviously not played the part that it was expected. Hence, why you know X amount of inflation reports have come in or results have come in, you know, higher than expected, higher than expected, and therefore more rate rises than anticipated has been has been exercised by by the RBA. So. I think it has played a little part, and it's probably long time coming. But uh, I, I think I think it's more just uh, actually I can't get into it. <laughs> <laughs> you get too political. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I do I do think it's played a little part, but not not as much. Yeah. So today's the no today's Wednesday the fifth of July, and for the last four days we've seen the new government incentives come into play got new stamp duty concessions, the first home guarantee, you know, uh, brother and sister can purchase together or you don't have to be a citizen anymore. You, you can be a permanent resident. Do you think that these new changes are going to affect inflation? Are prices going to get propped up again? I think it's definitely, uh, you know, given more incentive for buyers to enter the market, even more buyers to, to uh, enter the market, uh, but inflation's obviously got eight categories, right? Um, real inflation, and uh, you know, one of the main drivers, as an example, is transport and oil. You know, um, which impacts, like as an example, if you have transport costs that are, that are impacted, what doesn't? What other um, subcategory of inflation isn't impacted by transport? Uh, your groceries went up, and one of the reasons would be because of the cost to transport the groceries. You know, to the retailers um, from wholesalers or. Um, timber and building costs is one of the biggest, you know, pain points that I hear, you know, so commonly. Maybe it's maybe it's in the industry I operate in, um, but uh, the cost to deliver and uh, transport timber, um, or the cost to build them, uh, build the timber, or cut the materials in workshops. That's all driven by you know oil prices and transport. Um, so I think that's 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 one of the, that's probably a more a more major factor of inflation rather than just the home buyers. I think the building industry. Look, so we got um what is it a nine trillion dollar real estate industry, the backbone industry of the of Australia. It's always consistently risen. Um, it goes through peaks and troughs, but generally um, bigger peaks um, following the troughs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always happened. That's you know that's that's just part of its nat- natural profile in Australia. Um, so that's that. The, you know, neither here nor there about whether it's it's a, it's a large driver. I think it's more about, you know, the inflation's been affected by other places a bit more, particularly transport. Why do you think real estate is the backbone of Australia? We've got so many natural resources here, but for some reason it's the real estate that really, really carries Australia forward. Is there a reason why property is the big investment tool in this country? Yeah, cool. Um, I think it's because of how how safe it is. Um, so uh, I I don't I don't know whether um, I can say this um, with accuracy, but I think that the Australian population are quite risk averse. Um, to be honest, um, uh, if you could profile them, whether they're being risk takers or risk averse, that they're quite risk averse. The government policy does um, benefit you uh, if if you do play the long game. A good example is the. Capital gains, uh, half half capital gains exemption. If you hold an asset for over a year, 
Um, that's that incentive there, you know, and a lot of traders understand if the, it doesn't matter what asset class you're trading, whether it's shares, cryptocurrency, real estate, um, that the longer you hold it and less activity that you that you that you're uh, that that you're um, getting involved in. If you're not if you're trading shares and you can hold it for a year, you've probably got a higher chance of winning versus someone that trades fifty times in the year. Um, and that's because you know you're a lot more uh, you, you stay you stick to a goal um, that you've set, and you're not getting um, influenced by su- such things such as sentiment and emotion, which is you know it's all psycho- psychology. Real estate is pretty safe because instead of uh, if we compare it to say shares or, or cryptocurrency, um, you don't really get the you don't really get the emotions involved as as often. So to buy a property today, um, you probably see changes in value in six months' time. The data isn't real time, whereas if you're trading on the ASX with some stocks, you could uh, update it and real-time data will come through on your Comsec app uh, from 10 to 4 p.m. any weekday, right, excluding public holidays. So um, the, the transparency isn't there. And if you wanted to sell, you could probably, if you're feeling a bit low and, uh, and you're chasing on, on, on a share market, um, they, you could hit a couple buttons and find a buyer and instantly it's out of your account and out of your portfolio into another's. But if you wanted to trade real estate, You'd have to probably go get a real estate agent. You'd have to list it on the market, um, get the photos. That probably takes a week's time on its own. The average selling periods could be, you know, three months in in, in certain areas. Um, so it's a it's a lot harder to, to to let go of, and therefore a lot more long term. And you can benefit a lot of a lot of um, you can benefit from a long term asset. So I think that's that's why why it's the backbone in Australia. That is the most detailed answer he's given us about six or seven detailed answers today, ladies and gentlemen. And <laughs> I really hope our listeners have enjoyed everything that Michael has had to say. Michael, where can our listeners find you if they need help with their home loans? Yeah, sure. So uh, It's Simple has been very kind to set me up a, a, a business account. It's It's Michael Menken um, on Instagram. Uh, if if you have any inquiries, you can reach out to the to the group page also. It will filter down through to one of us. All, all very capable, I believe. Um, but uh, if you and if you want to message me direct on my personal account, it's uh, Manx YNWA, so M-A-N-K-S-Y-N-W-A. What does YNWA stand for? It stands for You Never Walk Alone. It's the uh, football club that I follow, Liverpool. (laughs) You can judge him on that. We don't like Liverpool around here. (laughs) Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Hopefully we can have you on again soon. Pleasure's mine, mate. Cheers. And if you do want to find us, reach out to us on www.itsimple.com.au. We've recently rebuilt our website where you can – Basically, start making your home loan application on your own. You can sit down, you could get a glass of wine, and you can go through a full fact fight and find yourself the best rate on the market. And then after that, you can book in with us. We'll make sure it gets done for you. You can also find us at It's Simple Finance on Instagram and on LinkedIn and Facebook. As always, I've been Joseph Dalwood, and thank you for listening to The Finance Show with Joe. 